Welcome, everyone, to the Nerd Journey podcast, episode number nine. We're going to be joining you every week to talk IT career, news, and opinions based on our points of view. I'm your host, John White, at VJourneyman on Twitter, joined by my co-host, Nick Cordy, at NetworkNerd underscore. Hey, Nick, how's it going? It's going great. Just brewed some coffee so I can be juiced up for this episode. I just want to make sure everybody knows we're both VMware solutions engineers, and our topics are definitely going to have a data center slant. But hopefully our career discussions will be relevant across disciplines and remain timeless. If you're enjoying our content, please drop us a positive review on Apple Podcast or wherever you subscribe. And if you want to get in touch with us, tweet or DM at Nerd Journey. Ultimately, we're just two nerds on a journey. A journey to virtual enlightenment. So let's take a trip. Great, Nick. I'm really falling in love with that uh, opening. Um, but one thing I noticed was you said uh, solutions engineers instead of systems engineers. Yeah. Title change, man. I thought we did should you, uh, toss that in there. Yeah. Did we both get promotions or just uh, title changes, do you think? I think it's just a title change. If it's a promotion, then I'm, I'm still waiting on what I got promoted to. Yeah. Yeah, I didn't see any uh, change in my paycheck, so uh, I'm going to have to agree with you, and it's just a title change. <laughs> yeah. Uh, ultimately, I think at some point in time, we should probably talk about why we uh, are now VMware solutions engineers instead of VMware systems engineers. Um, That's a good but, idea. Yeah, maybe a topic for a future podcast. Um, one of the things that we will... That we're, I, I think we're pretty amazing at uh, at uh, calling those things out and then uh, not tracking them down. So we'll probably or, do the same for this one. Or not jotting them down at all, forgetting to. No. So maybe yeah. I should just mute myself and jot it down right now. Yeah, yeah that's, that's a good idea. I'll talk about uh, topics that we're going to cover. Um, we got a, uh, a new name for our segment. We're not going to call it questionable LinkedIn content anymore. Uh, we're going to call, uh, I don't know, we're floating, we're waffling between two new titles, career clickbait or thanks for the clickbait. So tweet at us and let us know which one uh, you think is better. But we have one of those. Uh, we have an article that we thought was uh, seemed a little bit click clickbaity. So we'll talk about it and talk about why. And then we have a second topic, how to dress for an interview. Um and uh, it's something that I think is uh, stressful anytime you're at an interview, whether it's internal or at a different company from your current job, or if you don't have a job and it's just at a company. So we're going to talk about that. So first segment, career clickbait, or thanks for the clickbait. We are referencing a moneyish.com article. Uh, here's the one way people blow a job interview. And we will have the link in the uh, show notes. Maybe the actual title is, here's the number one way people blow a job interview. Um, and it's clickbaity. So here's the answer, right? It's arriving late. That's it. That's that's the, the, the core of the article. So uh, Nick, I don't know if um, you had the same reaction to this article that I did, which was a list of uh, things uh, which uh, hiring managers will say it's a, it'll have a negative effect to behaviors, which uh, hiring managers will say will have a negative effect on whether they will hire you. 
Well, I just love and appreciate the fact that this is another one of those articles with a number in it because I guess <laughs> I guess those generate more buzz than articles without it. You know, that's just a pet peeve of mine. But anyway, yeah, it was great. Here's the number one way, and then let's tell you about nine more. So, yeah, it, yeah. it's clickbait for sure. Yeah. But and by it, the way, I mean, that, that list of that list of ten is actually pretty good. Yeah, it is. It is indeed. I guess it depends on why you were late, huh? <laughs> well, there was a. I have to say that uh, I was late for my VMware job interview. I'll I'll say that for my in-person interview. Oh man, is that because of a flight delay? No, it was. Um, so I don't know if I've told the story before, but it was at VMware's headquarters, um, and I didn't live in Northern California. You know, VMware's headquarters is in Palo Alto, so. You know, the hiring manager told me, hey, you know, we want you to come up and, and do a presentation, maybe do some whiteboarding. And I was like, oh, geez, you know, is that a ticket I'm going to have to pay for? And he's like, oh, no, no, absolutely not. We'll, we'll pay for the ticket since you're a finalist. And so my flight landed at a certain time. It took a certain amount of time to get a, a, a rental car and drive to campus. And by that time, I was like five minutes late. <laughs> it's just there was not enough time between when the flight landed and... Uh, you know, and it landed on time and getting to campus. So, and figuring out where to park and where to go, and yeah, that's true too. And you, you know, people get nervous, so I can see where that would be a problem. Yeah, not that you were, John. I mean, you're like a nice man. <laughs> no, no, I was definitely nervous. Um, but they were very gracious about it, and then hopefully, I blew the uh, blew the presentation out of the water. So here I am. But you must have you done know, something the- right. <laughs> Uh, I don't think that they had uh, two other incompetent people as finalists. So hopefully uh, I just overcame that, but you know, this is not a podcast about how amazing I am because you know, that's, it's a different podcast. (laughs) 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 Not an ego stroke podcast, but, but if you Um, would like to find out how amazing John is and let him mentor you, you can tweet or DM at nerd journey and I can sign you up for the John white school of mentoring. Just want to throw that out there. Right. So that is a program that does not actually exist. <laughs> um, so this list, you know, there's other things on it that were, you know, pretty good, right? Whining, lack of preparation, bad mouthing a former employer, uh, both a, a boss or a company, uh, grammar and spelling mistakes, poor grammar, unrealistic compensation requirements. So, um, you know, it, it got less and less relevant as it went down. Uh, being underqualified, answering questions incorrectly. Um, I mean, a, a pretty good list. I, I think where you and I both got on this is like this list was actually sourced from somewhere else, right? So, you know, hopefully, you know, people aren't upset, but we're going to submarine the actual article that this came from, which is from simplyhired.com. And, uh, it is a an article that we both found actually, I think, pretty good. Hiring truths: over 850 managers reveal their practices and opinions. So this was a survey of 850 hiring managers, and they posted some things that, um, some trends that they noticed, right? And you know, they're they're actually really interesting trends. Um, so at the top was a list of of actions that hiring managers don't do. Um, before the interview, 
who are at the interview, like they don't give brain teasers or puzzles. That's, that's probably um, not true. If you're a software engineer, if you're a software engineer, they're going to give you, they're going to give you a skills test, right? Um, at some point in time, um, 90% don't have a third interview. Mm, again, for certain uh, industries, that's probably more true than others. 84% don't have a post-interview task. Uh, so it goes on and on. It's it's an interesting list of things that you should probably not expect. Again, uh, based on, you know, your industry, you know, you might it might be more or less relevant. But, you know, things like checking LinkedIn, verifying education, uh, you know, really interesting stuff that people don't don't do. Um, Speaking of LinkedIn, my favorite part, you know, it says 71% of hiring managers don't check LinkedIn. But then right. there's another section that said the technology field is the highest percentage of of hiring managers that will check LinkedIn when they go to hire yeah. you. Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. You know, an industry that is, you know, heavily leveraging uh, professional social media sites like LinkedIn, you know, I would say that uh, it, 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 it only makes sense that people would check that. Right. I like this. This Here, this is an interesting one. 78% of hand, hiring managers want you to answer um, the question, why are you looking for another job? Right. Um, oh, actually, no, 70% want you to answer, I have a desire to take on more responsibility and grow in a career. Well, wow, that's a really specific answer. Uh, it must've been a multiple choice question. Like I yeah. can't imagine that. Everybody memorize that. Just yeah. make sure you know it. <laughs> if you run into any of these 850 hiring managers, you'll know that's, uh... but yeah, yeah that's I... interesting. I don't know that always looking that looking for another job requires you to say I must take on more responsibility. I'm looking to grow. I think that's probably one. Growing like is good. A, yeah, that's a good answer. Is that a question that you got asked during your uh, job search? I'm trying to think back here. Why are you looking for another job? I don't know that I get. I think it was in some form. It may have not been that exact question but maybe it's what makes you want to leave your current role yeah yeah but yeah growth potential is is a big one i mean if you are at a company where there aren't that many growth opportunities whether it's through training and advancement or moving into a different role then yeah that's a a very good reason to to look elsewhere right right makes sense so then, again, the next part of the Simply Hired uh, article was behavior. the behaviors viewed negatively. That was the source of the, the post that we read. Um, behaviors viewed positively, that was interesting because there were only um, four things that were really noted. Um, and so there must not have been much agreement on things that were actual positive behaviors. Uh, number one is provide a portfolio or work sample, 83%. Uh, arrive early to an interview, 75%. Follow up the application with a phone call, 55%. Follow up with a single email, 55%. So those are all like kind of consensus good behaviors, but even the last two were only 55%. Right. 
uh, right. positive, right? So the two that you could probably bank on are providing some kind of portfolio or work sample. Um, you and I both had to do a sample presentation, right? Mm-hmm. So that yep. is probably, um, you know, bank on that. Uh, arrive early for the interview. I think we've probably talked about before. Like I had this, you know, came across this really great advice, which was like eight minutes early. Like that's, you need to arrive at the door of the place that you're going to be interviewing at eight minutes before. And if you, if you get there too early, then it makes them nervous. And if you get there, they're like even three minutes early, then they're worried that you're not going to show up. Right. So, um, Fair <laughs> there's this person late. that, that was from, uh, career tools. Um, I'll try to find the link there, but nice. Yeah. I say go 15 and make sure you have time to find a restroom and a water fountain. Yeah, absolutely. Just uh, get to that door, mm-hmm. you know, where they're expecting you like seven or eight minutes. Um, right. Effective resume elements. Um, so these were uh, parts of the resume, which um, were viewed positively and negatively, negatively, you know, over 80% found uh, grammatical errors, uh, significant amount of grammatical errors and negative, uh, spelling errors and negative, and fabrication or invention and negative. So um, don't do any of those things. Um, <laughs> elements viewed positively, a graduate degree, a bachelor's degree, a skills section, an Ivy League degree. There's one of those things that are is pretty easy to control, whether yeah. or not you have a skills section, right? So I think we kind of harped on that, you know, in an earlier episode. And if we didn't, somebody please call us out on it. But you should have a skill section near the top of your resume that is kind of like a um, table of contents for the things that you can do. And then the relevant job job experiences should be like the, a little bit more detail on those skills. So I like the colored font. 53% view that as negative. <laughs> And then three yeah. pages or longer, 55% saw that as negative. Oh, yeah. Yeah, definitely. Well, I mean, so this, I don't know if I've ever given you my, uh, um, I have a resume workshop that I that I do. And um, I have this whole section about, you know, what having interesting or unique formats really says about us and it it really is about you know we want to be we want to stand out and we want to be perceived as an individual um in our resume and not blend in with a crowd of people right that's that's our desire when we do things like have colored fonts or put our picture or um put things like our hobbies on there Mm -hmm. um hey i want to be you know considered as a whole human being not just you know my skills section of course what the hiring manager and the hr screener care about is whether you can do the job and that's really all about the skills match and experience match right so um so none of that stuff matters right and i can understand why it's perceived as a negative and you know going back to the follow up with following the application with a phone call or an email 55% of each, you know of people surveyed viewed those as positive behavior. I'm guessing it depends on what the phone call and the email contained. Cause I could see how that would really help you or really hurt you based on what you say and how you handle it. 
Yeah, absolutely. I, and I can totally understand what you're saying there, right? If it's like a single badgering email, then that's still negative, right? If it's a, a single follow-up of, hey, thanks, you know, you asked me to check on this and and think about this, and I did, and here's kind of my thoughts on it. Or just something like, hey, I really appreciate you taking the time. And you know what? Win or lose, I would love some feedback on how I can improve the next time I have to do this. And I bet you that person would be more than willing to give you some feedback. Oh, that that's definitely a bet that I would take. I think that people in general are not willing to give feedback in, in situations like that. But that's me. Um, that's me. Uh, that's me joking with you, man. I, yeah. I, I honestly, like, I think that getting feedback and I, I seem to remember that you got some uh, feedback throughout your interview process um, from the people involved. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's pretty rare. I honestly do. And I, I just basically said, hey, look, win or lose, I would just love some feedback from you on how I did, what maybe I could improve on, you know. Right. Just just straight up, tell me. Mm-hmm. And I, I felt like they, they were straight up with me and told me, you know. Well, that's pretty good. That's amazing. So that was that was definitely appreciated. Maybe, yeah, interesting. Maybe I've I've just never asked before. Right, and I remember someone in the process saying, you know, I don't I don't think it's ever a bad thing to ask for feedback, and I'm sure that, you know, if if you don't get it immediately from so and so, you can talk to the recruiter, and I bet you they can give you some feedback from whichever person in the process you needed it from. Mm, okay. Yeah. That makes sense. I think that the better candidate you are, the more likely you are to get feedback. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Like, I think that the less of a fit there is, the less effort that a person is going to be willing to take to give you feedback. That's just my gut instinct there. Um, I don't actually have any data to, to back that up. I can see that. You know, if it's truly not a fit, let's not waste each other's time. Right. Okay. So you might get some, hey, you know, we just didn't think it was a good fit. And, you know, at that point in time, you don't want to, uh, probably don't want to push it. Like, no, but why? Right. <laughs> and elaborating on it might make it a bit of a tense situation on both sides. Yeah. If it's yeah. really, you know, okay, this is this person's not gonna fit here and it's very obvious to me why, et cetera, et cetera. Right. Right. So there were some um individual like uh there's a section about hiring truths in different industries, um, and task completion likelihood during the hiring process. You know, whether in the various industries, you know, whether most likely and least likely to to do certain tasks, like verify previous employment. You know, marketing and advertising was most likely. Agriculture, forestry, fishing, and hunting was least likely. Um, so those are the types of things that are kind of uh, broken out there. Um, I actually didn't like the idea. There's, there's some gender breakouts and age breakouts. Like I, I wasn't totally comfortable with even the idea of them having done that analysis, like women are more likely to men are more likely to older people are more likely to younger people are more likely to 
do certain things uh, when they're the hiring manager. I don't know. Uh, so I, I don't know that I noticed any like huge gaps between genders at any stage. And uh, I don't know that I noticed any huge gaps with ages. Um, maybe you pointed out like uh, dressing casually was seemed to be like a. Yeah, that was the, one. that was the biggest problem from the youngest manager age segment. So managers in their twenties had the biggest problem with people dressing casually in an interview. I actually thought it might be older folks having an issue with that hmm. instead. Yeah. It's interesting because, um, I think what jumped out at me about that was it was the only area in which hiring managers in their twenties were, had the biggest problem with it. Mm -hmm. Yep. Right. In almost every other category, it was hiring managers in the fifties and sixties that had the biggest problem with the, um, with the behaviors. Right. Right. So, so, and again, sometimes those gaps were just not, maybe even statistically significant, you know, arriving late to an interview was the number one worst behavior, you know, and managers in their fifties were 99% more likely to have a problem with that. Uh, there were 99% of them had a problem with it and managers in their sixties and older had 90% of them were likely to have a problem with that. Like, so that was the, the, um, swing from most likely to have a problem to least likely. Right. 99 to 90 right so um i don't know that that's a, that big a deal like it's what's more important is that you should know that arriving late to an interview is not a good idea no despite what i what happened to me <laughs> i don't know about you but when i see the category of whining i can't help but think of a small child whining and then visualize a grown a grown adult doing the same thing <laughs> yeah, I it's interesting because um you know, I wonder if any pushback no matter how respectful can be perceived as whining. Um yeah, I'm not sure. I, it, whining is not really defined. So Right. I I don't know exactly how to react to that, but you know, complaining. I I think like what's more interesting there is, you know, I, the idea of bad mouthing former employers, like bosses and companies, right. like, you know, saying, you know, those, those people didn't know how to do X, Y, Z, you know, not a good idea. Mm -hmm. um, you, you might've had a, a negative experience, but you know, it's always better to be respectful of them, you know, you know, and, uh, be graceful on the way out. <laughs> sure. Um, you know, don't talk out of both sides of your mouth. Yeah, absolutely. Be thankful for what you had and be hopeful for what you want. So Nick, maybe, mm -hmm. you know, I'm going to spring this question on you. If you sure. had a bad experience with a former boss or a former company, I don't think that you have, mm -hmm. but if you did and somebody, you know, asked you about a former employer, what would be an effective response, do you think, that is not bad-mouthing, but still express your desire to, to, you know, a need for change? You might could say something like, the management style I was exposed to was a bit challenging, 
in in the way you know it was a bit challenging because of these things you know mm-hmm. kind of try and focus on the facts of the situation and paint it in an objective manner to where if someone else was there they would have seen these things mm-hmm. and you're not really saying well this person was out to get me you know right, right. it was just let's suppose that you were you worked for someone who is very micromanagerial and you could say something along the lines of you know the person i worked for had a had a management style where they wanted to be very involved in in the things i was doing and i i didn't feel like i was given the chance to innovate and create new work and and use my creative brain to to move projects forward and that's something that i would really like to do and that's part of the reason that i was interested in this opportunity hmm yeah i like that you know so if i'm hearing you correctly you would say something about what your needs are yeah and how there was maybe a mismatch between what the former employer wanted, you know, what their requirements were or what they, they felt like they needed to do and what you needed. And if there's not a match, you know, then there's just not a match. And that's like, I think, as you said, factual rather than uh, a a value judgment. Yeah, exactly. And again, just for everybody listening, that was just a hypothetical situation that I threw out there based (laughs) on John's question. I'm not saying that, absolutely. you know, I'm not saying there's truth there. I'm just saying it's a it's something that came to mind because some people don't. That situation is really bad for them. It's bad for a yeah, lot of no. folks. Well, I, I think you know a big part of hopefully how we can help people is to model that behavior. You know, so mm-hmm. you know having hypothetical situations is just not hypothetical. Um, yeah, I, I think that's a really really good answer. Right. Here's here's what I need from a work culture. You know, here's what they needed to, you know, felt like they needed to provide as far as oversight. Mm-hmm. And we just had a mismatch, you know, and that's fine. It was right. fine. Uh, I'm just looking for, you know, maybe even a better match. So. Yeah, that's a better way to say it, too. <laughs> well, I'm I'm just saying what you said. <laughs> Are you, you just copying what I say, point. John? Yes, I'm echoing back to you the things that you said in my words gotcha good words (laughs) good words for sure but yeah it's it's never wrong to be honest about the situation you were in but in a very constructive and well thought out manner yeah makes sense to me and if you're in marketing and advertising they are going to check on you heavily (laughs) according to this study (laughs) absolutely and if you're in transportation and warehousing, they're most likely to check for criminal history. Right. So Actually, don't worry about that. yeah, it was interesting how often um, agriculture, forestry, fishing, and hunting came out as the least likely to check on, least likely to exhibit these behaviors. Check for criminal history, call references, call employers. I used to be a, a, a forest ranger. Did you? I knew there was something different about you. No, I no, I wasn't. <laughs> I didn't think so. <laughs> anyway, uh I I don't think we spend too much time more time on this, but 
the um, is the tweaking your resume for the job industry that I thought was um, extremely uh, extremely interesting. I, I think that you know that's something that we highly recommend that you have like a you know you tune your kitchen sink resume for the specific job that you're doing, and um, you know certain industries had you know certain requirements, right? So uh, you know length of resume. Uh, degrees, uh, creative resumes or template, you know, things like that. So, um, I think that's about it. Did you, was there anything else that you needed to highlight there? Nope. I don't think so. I think we got it. Okay. I would say to anybody who, you know, reads the, the first article, the clickbait article, go and read the study too. That's very interesting. Yeah. And one of the things, like if you if you click all the way down or go all the way down to the bottom, like you can't really draw much uh, industry specific information about mining because there's only one respondent in mining, three respondents from broadcast and journalism. So anyway, okay, I think we're wrapped up there. Let us move on. So the next section was actually inspired by something that we read in that. Uh, in that article and it was about um dressing too casually for an, an interview and that just uh that's one of those things that like pushes buttons for me so we wanted to address the issue of how to dress for an interview and you know of course there's always like general guidance like you want to dress professionally uh, there's the idea of like you know maybe dressing up one level so dress how you anticipate the manager of that position dresses and maybe, uh, you know, seek out a match there. So that's all information that's just out there in general. But um, one of the th- pieces of information that, you know, I wish somebody had had told me a little bit earlier on was, you know, by the time you're doing an in-person interview, you know, hopefully you're actually in contact with a uh, some kind of uh, HR resource or hiring manager. You should just ask that person. Right? Yep. What's appropriate dress for this interview? Um, you know, if if I wear a suit, is that going to be you know inappropriately dressed up? Um, if I wear you know anything more formal than jeans and a t-shirt, is that going to be looked upon as negatively? They should just tell you that. Yeah, that should they should just tell you. And and maybe all they share with you is the dress code. Okay, we're business casual here. You know what? I'd wear a suit. Absolutely would. <laughs> right. Because I'd take it one step up from, from what I needed. Yeah. So I would say, I don't know about you, but when I hear business casual and you say I would wear a suit, in my mind, I would probably wear a suit and a tie because that's business casual still. Sure. I didn't say tie, but yeah, yeah. absolutely. I can, I can remember one particular interview we had at one of my former employers for a help desk guy and, Mm -hmm. or a help desk person, sorry. And the folks dressed up and silly me, I made them go out into the manufacturing shop and troubleshoot this printer that was out there. And, you know, they were, they were dressed up nice and, and I probably should have communicated that beforehand, but didn't. So. Sorry, guys, that came. Yeah, I mean, it would probably be best if um, the employer, like, you know, gives good guidance on how people should come and what they should be prepared for. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And um, so I have 
one of the like it's a pet peeve of mine right is Here we wow, go. That, that, <laughs> <laughs> is, you know we just kind of hear these apocryphal stories about you know oh this is a you know maybe it's a startup maybe it's a small company you know they wear jeans and t-shirts and and nobody ever wears a suit and like somebody shows up in a suit and they go oh no that person wouldn't fit in because they wore a suit and they should have known better it's like well you don't tell that person there's no way for them to know so you know you're you're just kind of either selecting for people who made a good guess which is not a good way to filter like quality applicants right um or you're filtering for people who knew somebody who could give them an idea of how those places should, um, you know, how those places are looking for cultural fit, like how, how applicants dress, in which case you're filtering on people with connections, right? And neither one of those is a really good way to filter for people, right? Yeah, I just thought of an interesting twist, you know, should you shave your face if you're a male? Do you have to be clean shaven if you go? I, I once had a recruiter tell me that I should shave off my beard before I went in oh, for the interview. Really and I did that mm-hmm. time. But mm-hmm. I realized for later opportunities that I didn't need to do that. <laughs> well, you know, that recruiter might have known about a personal bias of the hiring manager. Good point. Um, but, they weren't, but they weren't willing to say that to you. You know, so they just gave you guidance or that recruiter just had a personal bias. <laughs> and um, Maybe so. yeah, so we, we have no idea. Right. But in general, you know, there's things that each of us is willing to do or not do, you know, um, for our job and shave off a goatee or beard or facial hair. You know, maybe that's a that's a no go for some people. It, it would be interesting. Right. Um you know, if that is truly, you know, like a, like a job requirement, you know, like, Hey, we're a clean shaven shop here. Um, you know, we, we all have clean haircuts, so, you know, we don't want someone who's going to let their hair grow, you know, past a certain length. Uh, you know, that is an indication of cultural fit that might or might not work for you. You know, maybe you don't care and you're like, yeah, absolutely. I can do that. No problem. And, you know, for certain people, they're going to be like, Oh no, that's way too uptight for me. Yeah. And so, you know, that's super important to know, right? Good point. But my main my main rant is about the uh the people who just expect you to know how to dress and like without without giving any guidance like that. I don't know. They they're trying to it's a weird filter. It, you know what I mean? Like hey, you should just know the culture here. Like why why would any applicant just know the culture. <laughs> well, hopefully the hiring manager slash HR manager slash recruiter is really in it to help you right. get the job if you are a viable candidate. So they want to try and prepare you. Yep. Yep. Because they don't want you to go tell people, hey, don't interview here because their HR department is horrible and they're not going to help you at all. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's a really interesting point. So maybe Glassdoor is your friend, you know, Yeah. to, to look up those things. Um, I don't know. Again, I think it's a bad filter, you know, has the person looked us up on Glassdoor, you know, like, I don't know, is that a, is that a research filter? Um, you know, 
like I think will the person follow my instructions as far as guidance for dressing for the interview? Like that might be a good filter, but <laughs> uh, do they just like inherently know what it is that we expect of them without us giving guidance or when we, especially when we refuse to give guidance. Right. No, we're a, we're a place that, uh, you know, we'll accept a lot of different things. We just want to see how you're going to come. Come as you are. Right. And then, oh, no, that's not acceptable. Like, no, no, no. <laughs> but seriously, though, John, if I said, okay, we're jeans and T-shirts here, John. You know, if you want to fit in, that's really what you need to wear. Would you go to an interview in that clothing set after being told that? I'm not sure I would. So you're you're throwing this right back on me, huh? Yeah. You're going to. That's right. Me. It's my turn to ask a question. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So the, the hiring manager says, hey, we're jeans and T-shirts here. Um, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to wear nice jeans, and I might wear a polo instead of a T-shirt. Mm, okay. Right? Yep. Um, and I'll probably, in that situation, wear a jacket, which could double as like, oh, you know, it could be a blazer, but it, you know, it could just be a jacket. And just take it off when you walk in kind of thing. Exactly. Exactly. Okay. Good stuff. Good stuff. I like it. All right. Any uh, other guidance? Like, have you come across any interesting or um, uncomfortable situations in dressing for interviews in your history? Mm, I think I did have someone give me some feedback on they thought I was too dressed up when I wore a suit and tie at a particular place. It, it didn't affect my ability to get the job, but it was one of those team interview kind of things. So you meet with a group of people and then they sure. switch the group of people in the next hour or whatever. And somebody mm-hmm. said, Oh, wearing a suit. Huh? That's pretty, didn't have to go that far. And I thought, okay, but wanted to look professional. <laughs> yeah. It's interesting because I, I think it is more of a reflection on, on the group or the group dynamic. Like I think people are probably not comfortable making decisions about somebody who is dressed more formally than they are. Oh, like, yeah, that's good. Like that is a, there's like a, a mismatch there, like a, um, positional mismatch. Like they have some role power over you, but you present as someone who should have role power over them. Does that make sense? Yes, it does. Very interesting observation there. Yeah, so that's that's not a comfortable situation to be in. So, hmm. food for thought, folks. Food for thought. Yep. Yep, yep. Cool. Okay. Go Hawaiian shirt. That's it. That's the ticket. <laughs> this is my formal Hawaiian shirt. Exactly. Which, by the way, does exist. <laughs> okay. I think that's all we had for that segment and also all the topics we had planned. Anything else pop into your mind while we were talking? So just a reminder that we want people to subscribe and give us a positive review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you're listening. If we're being helpful and always looking for interesting questions to ponder, we're collectively on Twitter at Nerd Journey. Great. Yeah, thanks. 
farewell, everybody. Uh, tune in next time as the journey continues. I'm John White at V Journeyman for Nick Cordy at Network Nerd underscore. Signing off. See ya. <laughs>